Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. And those that are up here, Denise and Fred and Adam and Nate, all have, have contributed to reaching out from a position of strength, just really speaking into that from, from many angles. And I hope to tackle, tackle another angle today as I bring it. But I just want to say 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, stay alert. Don't fall asleep in the light. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. This translation says your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, to deceive, to disable, to, to discourage to put it at a disadvantage. His modus operation is that. That is modus operandi. That's what he wants to do. And so we've got to be alert. And so we can't be napping at the wheel. We've got to be alert. And so the enemy, between the enemy and what Nate spoke last week, spoke about our, our carnality, our flesh, between the enemy and our flesh, they ha- the enemy has hooks in us. He has hurts in us. He he knows how to handle and stop us from being strong and reaching out from a position of strength. He's not going to lay up and hold back. He wants to take as many with him to that fiery place called hell. And um, so we got to be on our A game. And so though we may be positioned and strong and and active, the thing is we've got to be ones that will be reaching out in faith. We've got to continually say, listen, I, it's up to me. There's no, there's no plan B. We are plan A. And so we've got to find out how the enemy has, has cluttered into our world, clawed into our world, opened up areas in our world so we can deal with it and be those strong people that will go out into, into a needy, dying world. The enemy's aim is to, to uh, weaken our position, our purpose, and our effectiveness. And, and I can say that he's doing a good job at, 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 at a, lot of, a lot of his attacks. And so we just say, we've got to just rise up and say, okay, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. The door the enemy uses, I spoke on discouragement. He'll use discouragement. He'll use worry. He'll use doubt, anger, loneliness. But what I want to tackle today, the enemy of faith, is procrastination. Procrastination is... All right. Okay. Okay, Darcy, we've got some earmuffs at the back there. She just, needs a, she just needs a bathroom break, so that's okay. But I wanted to say that the, the illustration that came to, came to mind um, is, is, is what I haven't heard for a while. It's about getting, getting exposed to realizing that there is this thing called fishing. I mean, and man, it, it even comes with a manual. And it tells you the author of the manual. It tells you who house is fished. Uh, it, it'll tell you the equipment. It'll tell you. You can even come to an alpha course on Wednesday, and it will tell you how to to thread your thread your um, your worms and your your uh, hooks and how to cast. And you can even go and practice on one another. Um, you can have a. You, you can you can. Roll up your, know how to do your line quickly. You go to Sam Berthe, he'll teach you that. And you have all this incredible knowledge. Then you get in a plane with a great expense and you fly to Bethel and they will teach you more about how to fish. 
and what to do. And then you go to this conference and you go to that Bible study. And you, but guess what? Nobody's fishing. So we get all this knowledge because we procrastinate. We've got to slay that enemy. We've got to get out there and start fishing. I know Sam Bertha doesn't mess around. There's no, no, no rust gets on his reels. Boy, that thing's practicing every week. The young boy came from Virginia Beach, Ian. And boy, that boy's one-track one mind. Dad, get me a house right by the water where I can fish. And the boy's in there, and he is, he is fishing. So we can do all this nice Christianese stuff, but land up not fishing. So church, the, the procrastination is, 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 is deadly in the body of Christ. It's deadly and because we're not, we're not realizing how we've been lulled into um, just learning all about it, but not doing it. And so the Father really, it's a Holy Spirit message today. He really wants to kind of just stir us up in it. So procrastination is, uh, definition says you keep, you keep leaving things you should do until later, often because you just do not want to do them. Other words, delay, stall, postpone, prolong, hesitate, slowness, slack. And we're all guilty of this. Kind of just sit on our laurels and not go and do what we need to do. Now, Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of, of all nations. That is not the great suggestion, it's the great commission. And so we can learn all about what we have to do and where, where we need to go, but we don't go. You understand, Jesus has done all the heavy lifting already. He's done all the heavy lifting. Jesus came, was that sinless lamb. He was sacrificed. He was, he was shamed. He was, he was crucified. He was whipped. He was placed in the grave. He rose again. He went to the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit. The heavy work has been done. Would you please go is his commission to us or is procrastination got us so mark twain says never put off till tomorrow what you can do the day after tomorrow <laughs> in other words don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today and so 98 percent of us are guilty of procrastination the other two haven't got around to it yet so we gotta understand we've got to decide to stop procrastinating and say tomorrow, because it's, 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 it's not what we need. Procrastination will leave you sorrow, sadness, and regrets. And I want to just say that the most dangerous word in the Bible is tomorrow. That is the most dangerous word in the Bible, tomorrow. And I'll unpack that as we go. Tomorrow has robbed many dreams, education, sports achievements, uh, and, and, and purposes it has done that. It's also stopped more people from coming to Christ. Procrastination tomorrow. And, and, and we need to address it today. Satan loves the word tomorrow. But we serve a God that's today. Because he's, we serve the God of the present. He's today. And so we need to keep that in mind. So I just want to leave you three thoughts before we, we leave today. Just around, the, around procrastination. And the first First thing is that procrastination robs one of serving. It robs one of serving. And so in Matthew 23, 11, it says, the greatest among you must be a servant. So that's where God rates us who serve, that love serving, that want to serve, that don't hesitate or procrastinate about serving. 
I want to just say it's just an honor to have Dave and Carol in the house. They've dedicated their whole life to display the servant love of Christ by going around and washing the feet of, of, of unbelievers and most of the time become believers. Um, no stadium in America is big enough to hold the number of people Dave and Carol have ministered to, have led to Christ because they've served. They have not procrastinated. And so we see the opportunity to serve Almighty God. We are able to serve our family. We are able to serve our friends. We are able to even serve our foes. That's how we win them. We serve our foes. That's all. And so here in Luke 9, 59, it says, Jesus said to, one, uh, to another person, come, follow me. And the man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me turn home and bury my father. But the, and Jesus told him, let the, the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and to preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told them, anybody who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. You kind of think it's kind of harsh. But it's not, if you understand the full heart of God and, and Jesus, he's not telling us to not go to funerals and to our family loved ones and, and say goodbye to them and, and, and interact. He's not saying that. But we have every reason to find an excuse to avoid when God calls. And this is kind of what Jesus is seeing in these two people. They are finding some reason. Yes, I'll go to the ends of the earth. But he's saying, but can I first go home? Because he knows by the time he gets home, he would have changed his mind. And, the, and it won't happen. And so we've got to understand that was the heart behind Jesus saying, no, don't make excuses. When I call you, Jesus is saying, I'm, need you go for me. Go when you're here. Um, it, it, and so that's what you, we need to understand. Um, was it convenient for Dave and Carol to leave a comfortable home in Johannesburg and then uh, go in a travel trailer, um, circle for six months to walk all the way to Cape Town? And it took more like two years. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't easy. I didn't, if anybody's been out on the road with Dave carrying the cross and ball and the contraption and everything else that you have to go on the road with, you'll find it's not that comfortable, but amazing what God would do. It's, it's Dave's cross and bowl is like Moses' rod. When things happen, when people put their feet in that bowl, miracles happen. But you've got to understand, it's not comfortable. Was it comfortable for Roddenvale to leave Cape Town? Very nice place, I must say, uh, with our family and our friends. And to come here, like I said in the first service, I don't know what I was smoking when I decided to do that. But anyway, but I also looked up like Hudson Taylor. Missionary to China at the age of 21, here in 1874. 21, man. He, he was not a procrastinator. And here in this, what it says here, it says, China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, easy, loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus, China, man's soul first and foremost in everything and at every time, even life itself must be secondary. You're talking about, he ain't no procrastinator, this boy. How about Jackie Pullinger? There, born in 1944, 1966, at the age of 20, 
She's in, in, in with all the, the drug lords there and the opium and all that in Hong Kong. Didn't back down, didn't back off, and, and still got an incredible ministry there. And, it's, and, the, and she's got a book called Chasing the Dragon. Amazing. So no procrastinator. And God will use anybody that will just say, yes, I'm going, and get up and go. That's what God is wanting. Procrastination is voiding God's voice and his instruction. And so when God called us to come here, obviously there is a lot of discomfort in our making our decision to come because there was so much we had to sort of decide on. And Val, one morning God spoke to me and says, would you like to be comfortable and out of my will or would you be uncomfortable and in my will? So a reason with that, Hallelujah. I approached her and I said, I think God's telling us to go to Africa, uh, to America to go and plant. And she said, that's all right. You can go in two years' time. I'll follow. That was, my, uh, that was the answer. And so I, um, so I said, Lord, that's my shot at it. Now it's your chance. And so a couple of weeks later, she's leading worship. I will go to the ends of the earth for you. And then suddenly I see her crashing on the, on the carpet and on the stage. And she said uh, that, you lie most when we sing. <laughs> and she realized, God said, you lie. Because when I approached, God said no. So anyway, that's, that's, didn't take long. She's quick and obedient. Hallelujah. Can I bring also an, a, a, another procrastinating moment, which was, was never to be able to, to, to get again. And that was uh, the disciples when they got an opportunity to serve Christ in the most difficult time of his life in Matthew 26. 38, after they had the, the, the last supper that they were going to have with him, and they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they were praying there, and Jesus' soul was crushed with the weight of what he is going to be doing, going forward to the cross. And so he asked James, uh, 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 Peter, James, and John, would you come and pray with me? And so he went a little distant and they, they, away from them, and he, he was praying, obviously crying out to God with the agony and the pain of what he, he, he has an unction in his spirit, what he's going to go through. But I don't think he had the, the full script of what he was going to go through. Obviously, he'd read the real Old Testament and he understood that was that. But he was, he was, and every time he came back to the disciples, they were sleeping. He'd wake them up and he'd go back praying, come back and they would be sleeping. And he asked them, could you not tarry for me, with, with me one hour? And, yeah, and the sad thing is that never again got that opportunity to help carry Jesus in prayer at that time because we chose to sleep. Sometimes we procrastinate and we go to sleep in the situation. And so I had to say, you snooze, you lose. Interesting to say that these three went all out for, for, for God afterwards. And obviously they, they, they contributed Peter, James, and John contributed to the writings of the New Testament, and then two of them were martyred. They were committed, but they never got that opportunity to help carry Jesus to the cross in prayer, which is a sad thing. And that's, those are the moments of procrastination you, 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 you'd be saddened by. And so we needed to see that. Um, also then, the other one went on to serve Jesus um, and, and write, obviously, the Gospel of John and the epistles, and then revelation. Yes, we all look back with opportunities where we failed because of procrastination. Let us not allow the enemy of faith to keep us in procrastinating. We need to move. 
There was a, a poem. I'm not big into poems and stuff because obviously my, my, my English brain and reading just doesn't really get it to flow properly. So, um, but this poem, when I heard it, it just kind of felt I need, um, I'd have Val read it. And so we're going to come up here because the people on live stream said, where was that voice coming from? Because Val was reading it from down there. So we're going to jump to the second poem. We're leaving out the first one. Well, let's wait then, because then it won't make sense. This is by Edgar Guest, and it's called Tomorrow. Okay, well, we're going to read it. <laughs> he was going to be all that a mortal should be tomorrow. No one should be kinder or braver than he, tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and weary he knew, who'd be glad of a lift and who needed it too. On him he would call and see what he could do, tomorrow. Each morning he stacked up the letters he'd write, tomorrow, and thought of the folks he would fill with delight, tomorrow. It was too bad indeed, he was busy today and hadn't a minute to stop on his way. More time he could have to give to others, he'd say, tomorrow. The greatest of workers this man would have been, tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow. But the fact is he died and he faded from view. And all that was left here when living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. Amen. Thank you, Val. I was also thinking that I heard the statement that says that many Olympians still sit on the sofa and watch the Olympians. They've never got off the sofa and realized they are an Olympian because they've never got up and taken the jump and done that. With procrastination, we lose the opportunity to serve and that we have so many opportunities the other thing about procrastination that it robs us of our success. Practicing procrastination does not bring success to anything. Why? Because he'll do it tomorrow. Again, this word tomorrow. He, he slept beneath the moon. He basked beneath the, uh, the sun. He lived a life of going to do and died with nothing done. That's what procrastination does with us. If we don't take action when, when a decision is, in place, is placed upon us, then we're doomed to fail. We've got to make a decision, and we've got to decide, and we've got to do. I was, I was telling the folk in the first service that this coastal is, uh, is alive by two hours. Two hours was the window that uh, we had one day when we were applying for our green card. The green card application, I'm not joking, is like this thick. Uh, you FedEx it to the powers that be and um, with all the necessary funds and finances that goes with it. And so it was the Friday, we were about to do a, a, a cotton out um, um, conference down in, in Orlando. We were running with all the sound equipment and everything else. I was loaded up in the van. I was backed up on the driveway. We were just putting on the final bodies. And something said, just go and check the mailbox. I had mailed our application in the early part of the week. So it's Friday. I go to the mailbox. I put, and, and what's in there is the whole application. And it's got the denied, denied, rejected, rejected, and 
I'm looking at this thing. It is two o'clock. I have to go. We got to set up in 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 in. And so procrastinating would say, let's deal with it Monday. And something niggling inside said, no, nah, I need to I need to get a hold of the the uh, our para, paralegal and just talk to her. And she, I called her and she said, wait, let me find out. And they they had made a decision on the. On the, on the visa status that we wanted to apply for. And um, they had changed the status, and which, which didn't allow us to apply in that, in, in that, in that framework. Um, but they came back and they said, this is actually premature. That only should be from 12 o'clock Monday. That's when this comes into being. So anything, all processes before that. So they prematurely rejected our green card and sent it back. And... Uh, and so I got a covering letter, put it on top of our application, went to the nearest FedEx, which is about to close, and said most expensive way to get it to this office in, in uh, Washington. And so off it, off it went, and we were tracking it. And the, and the lady said it has to be stamped before 12 o'clock Monday. Otherwise, there is the, the, the whole rules change, and there is no course or road for you to go to have a green card. And so... We tracked it, and so it found a delay, and Monday it was still going towards Washington. And so at 10 o'clock, they stamped it on Monday. They stamped it in, received it, and the process went through with the covering letters explanation. So if it got there two hours later, I want to just tell you the landscape of coastal would be a lot different. So procrastination does have consequences if you kind of hang around and... Uh, and that procrastination would definitely leave us coastal at a different place if, if I just said, okay, we'll deal with it Monday. I had to deal with it right then. And obviously, the Holy Spirit will prompt you. He will, he will niggle you. If you have to get it done now, you need to get it done now. Don't let procrastination. So the key to have fruit in your life is seeing a decision and making the decision. Doing the thing that has to be done when it needs to be done. That's what needs to happen. And we kind of are blasé about it, and I hope to unpack that in, a, in, in, in my, my next, next point. The question, I want to ask you, how many of you run your life with to-do lists? To-do lists. I have to-do lists. I know Fred has a to-do list where he pops that laptop open, and he's going through his to-do list. And the poor, poor man has got a constant to-do list. And... Uh, but don't we do the thing, we don't put the dreaded thing right on the top of the list. I just know that. I have gone and skilled it down the line, and I'll keep pushing it down. I'll find something else to do instead of doing that yuck, yuck thing. And that is the real thing when, when you procrastinate, we keep pushing it down. And so the difficult task we need to tackle. Um, so what we do today, I want to just tell you, church, will affect our tomorrow. I want to say that just coming together here, worshiping together here, has an effect on tomorrow. It has an effect on everything else that we do in our lives, and we can look back and say, thank God. Some people say, well, I don't understand what the relevancy of, of having so many sermons. I can't remember all the sermons that I've listened to back then. I want to ask you, do you remember what you had for lunch, Sunday lunch back uh, four months ago? Um, what did you have for your Monday breakfast? I don't know. But whatever it did, it sustained me to, uh, so I'm still alive and I'm here. Yeah. That's what Sundays and fellowship and gatherings do. We don't remember everything and we may not remember everything and the Holy Spirit will prompt us and remind us, but it will sustain us. 
because what we do today will affect our tomorrow. Procrastination, as my, and my, and my third one, it says that it will uh, rob us of salvation. So procrastination um, robs us of serving, procrastination robs us of success, and procrastination robs us of salvation. Keeps us out of heaven. Many a people say, I'll think about salvation tomorrow. And we can't have that because there's a few things I want to just point out. But I want to talk about two characters that really are not mentioned much in the Bible and how their procrastination, I think, put them in a position where I don't think we'll see them in a God-filled eternity. That, that is Felix and uh, Drusilla. Just ran, ran, ran away from me for a while. <laughs> Felix and Drusilla. A bit of a background of uh, Felix and Drusilla. Anthony Felix is a Greek-born. He was connected to the Roman leaders had a, a leadership position in Judea through his brother. Paul was brought before this Felix on trumped-up charges. Drusilla, Jewish, was from a bad bloodline. Felix had lured Drusilla away from her previous husband. She was one of three daughters. Drusilla's sister, Berlice, was married to King Agrippa I, who murdered James, Apostle, James, Apostle John's brother and tried to have Peter killed. And we see that in Acts 12. Drusilla's great uncle, Herod uh, Anthropos, beheaded John the Baptist. Her, her uh, great-grandfather, Herod the, the Great, killed all the babies in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Drusilla came from that line. And so Drusilla, uh, Drusilla is Felix's third wife. Felix's third wife. So this royal couple was now proceeding over the charges against Paul. And this trial we see, it's written in Acts 24. Verse 24 says, And a few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. Quite a different kind of trial. Paul, out the, out the gate, starts preaching does not even try and go to his own defense. Verse 25, it says, And as he reasoned with, with them about righteousness, self-control, and the coming, judgment, uh, the coming day of judgment, I think I could see them squirm in their seats when Paul started bringing that three-point sermon out and started getting at them. Because the, the true backdrop in, in this sin and shame was not that Paul was in front of, before Phoenix, but Phoenix was before Paul. And because of the God in, in, in Paul was pressing his buttons. Paul launched into the gospel at, at Felix and Drusilla. He didn't procrastinate. Why? Because today is the day of salvation. He may not have another opportunity to talk to Felix and Drusilla. He needs to give them the gospel right now. There may not be another opportunity. It just reminds me of Valerie. Valerie asks questions and says hello to everybody and asks the craziest questions and gets into conversation. I say, why do you do that? She says, I may not see them again. And so she just, she goes, she goes hammer and tongs. She just goes and talks about everything. I mean, everything in a person's life. She talks and asks them and asks questions. So while they sat for about an hour and a half on the plane, waiting for it to depart from Austin, she got the story of everybody around her. I can guarantee you that. So the message was clear that Felix and Drusilla were maybe sitting on that judgment seat in front of Paul in that trial. 
But Paul was talking about a righteous judge and a holy throne that they're going to be standing to stand before if they do not repent and if they don't change. And that's what Paul was doing. He was not backing down because he wanted to talk about the just and true God who was, was looking upon their lives. And this is what happens in, in verse 25. And Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied, when it's a more convenient when, when it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. Procrastinating. There is a decision that needs to obey, and he is squirming. I'm talking about that fear that, that is mentioned there. It's a holy fear that came upon Felix, trembling, uh, terrified. It's a holy moment that many of us have, have encountered when you know there is a, this is a God moment. It's happening, and God is talking, and God is speaking. And, the, and when that happens, man, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. They're trembling in the boots. But procrastinates do not repent. Metanoia. They do not change their direction because they wait for a later date, maybe tomorrow. The tragic decision to put Paul off on his, his encounter with them that day was very sad because they met again, but never again did they encounter a meeting like that. I call it a Kairos moment. You may be, God may be speaking to you right here, right now. It is a Kairos moment for you because God's speaking to you. You may be in that place. Sometimes I am driving and I have a Kairos moment where I know that God is talking to me right here, right now. And I only have all years. And so there was a Kairos moment and, and never to be had again by, by Felix according to Scripture. But the two problems I want to just highlight before I close today is that the two problems about procrastination is that if firstly, it gives one a false sense of control. I want you to know if you're procrastinating and you think that you have control of tomorrow, you're very, very deceived. You think that, no, tomorrow I'm going to do this, tomorrow I'm going to do that. I want to tell you, you're very deceived. You cannot Procrastination does not take into account the uncertainty of life tomorrow. It's dangerous sport that you play tomorrow. It's not. Dr. Rob, Dr. Bob here, he is, is writing a, 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 a biography of his life. I said, brother, go for it. Don't stop. Don't back down. I think Dr. Dave Cape in the house needs to write a biography of his life. That's, that will be a, a bestseller. We, you can't back down. It now is the time. You need to. You need to do it, and so it's not. It's, it's a dangerous sport. Because one call, one discussion, one accident changes everything, and then there's regret. And I did not. I should have because I procrastinated. And so many of us sit with some of these things in our lives. And God's saying, "I'm talking to you today. Be." not lured and bewitched by procrastination, recognize it, identify it, and, 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 and push against it. You cannot. And so we have no surety about tomorrow. Proverbs 27.1 says, do not brag about tomorrow since you do not know what the day will bring. You cannot. I mean, Solomon, the wisest man on planet earth, wrote that. James writes it in, in chapter 4, verse 13. Look here, you who say today, or tomorrow we're going to go to certain towns and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know 
what your life will be like tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. So don't. My Holy Spirit's prodding you. Do not procrastinate. One day you'll decide on salvation and that'll be tomorrow. And we need to make sure that's not. The other problem with procrastination, one is giving a false sense of control. The other one I wanna just close with is the uniqueness of conviction. We may have full control and say we just presume that we have full control of tomorrow. You do not have the control of the uniqueness of conviction. There is certain times, certain moments, certain environments that God has a conviction that comes upon us that you can't replicate this, what we're having right here, right now, tomorrow morning, or at Alpha on Wednesday, or next Sunday, because when Val preaches next Sunday, it's gonna be a whole different conviction deal. I wanna just let you know, she'll slap us, and we'll be smiling, and that's what's coming next week. But I wanna just say the uniqueness, um, that moment, you'll not have that moment again. Hebrews 3, chapter 3, verse 15 says, so remember what is what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So if he's talking to you, don't harden your heart today. As we see Felix does. He hardens his heart and says, no, 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 hang on, hang on. This, 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 this is far too much conviction for me to handle. Jump into it. Jump into it when, you, when God speaks. That Kairos moment, God's grace moment, that situation, that place, that, that position, that posture, it's important. Felix avoided it, and maybe in, in, a, in a godless do, uh, eternity. That's where he, he may be because he said no, and tomorrow. Don't ignore the moment. You have a look at the, 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 the story about the sower and the seed in Mark 4. It talks about how the seed is sown. The seed is sown here in our hearts today, and some of us, it, 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 it gets robbed straight away. Some of us will walk out the door and forget, what did he say? What is that big word, P? Starts with a P that he was talking about. Um, yeah, um, then the cares of this world will come and strangle it. So when the moment comes, the conviction comes, understand the Holy Spirit convicts. He doesn't condemn, he convicts us. When that conviction comes, respond to it um, when, you, when you get to hear about it. Um, St. Augustine said, God has promised you forgiveness for our repentance, but has not promised tomorrow for your procrastination. So when you hear his voice today, it's a good time to hear. Psalm 27, 8 says, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face I will seek. Those are godly men and women. When God speaks, we do it. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's fractions of a moment that he says something that you respond to. The unbelievable stuff that God says to a Dave in, in the mission field when we're traveling and when we, we're landing at a place with no, nobody, and there's just moments when Holy Spirit says things, we do it, and it happens, and it's just amazing. So don't ha think there's gonna be this plane writing it in the sky or God's finger writing it in the sky. Sometimes it's just moments of intuition 
that you hear that you need to re- respond to. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while you, may, you, can, he, you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Felix did, Felix did not do that. Psalm 119, I will hurry without delay to obey the command. Don't let the enemy of, of faith, procrastination, take its unrightful place in our lives. Church, we've got to understand there's a now word being spoken for now. It's a Kairos moment. We need to stop and say, God, what have I not done that I should be doing? Um, it may be just a word of encouragement, a word of prayer, a note, a text message, a, a visit. A, there is things that God wants us to do now. And I want us to posture ourselves and understand that. Because if we lose this Kairos moment time, um, we lose the moment to serve God. We lose the, the, the success in God. And we don't receive the salvation of God if that's where you are from God because of procrastination. So today is the day of salvation. Today is the now word for us as a church. There's no plan B, church. There's no plan B for us. We have to step up to the gate. And it says, well, I don't know how to, what to do. Just do what's in your lane. Do what's in your sphere. Do what's in your metron. That's your sphere of influence. Do that now. Because desperate people need it. Don't compromise. Whatever this, this PC stuff, no. BBC, Bible. Not politically correct, be Bible correct, okay? Just stay on the course. We win at the end of the book. We do. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, you know each heart that's here. You know where we all are. As I've preached, I've preached to myself, Father. And I thank you that it's a now word and we want to be those that will not procrastinate but jump in, my God, knowing that you, the author and the finisher of our faith, will carry us through. Some of us, Father, are are being called to the mission field. Some of us are being called to, to business areas. Some of us are called into ministry, my God. There's there's people that are being called into just visiting their neighbor, my God. There are people in every sphere of life needing to move from a place of procrastination. So, Father, we stand here, we sit here, we, we posture ourselves here to have ears to hear what you're saying. We want to be people that are doers of your word, not hearers only. We don't want to polish our reels and polish our rods. We want to be the sand birthers that are going to be fishing every waking moment, my God, that our lives will be the vessel through which your divine favor flows. As Nate said last week, oh, Father, that we'll, we'll see through your eyes, we'll speak with your mouth, and we will have your heart, my God, as we go and as we carry your goodness and your greatness that has touched our lives to a needy, dying world. But Father, there's some that have, have had salvation come past their door multiple times, but today's the day. Today's the Kairos moment that they're saying yes, and I sense, Father, that you're calling them to you today to be family, to our Father who art in heaven, whose name is to be hallowed, Father, 
that is the cry of their heart. And Father, I want to give them an opportunity to respond to that moment right here, right now. If it's you and, and you've got that, you've got that ache in your heart to be part of God's family, to come into to a place of salvation and, and give your life to him and allow him to be the dad in your life, to be, allow Jesus to be that friend, to be, allow Holy Spirit to be the power to give you the intuition and the unction and, the, and the, the, the grit to push through life and be successful with purpose and destiny and calling. Come to Jesus. I stand here 44, 45 years I have been in the family of Almighty God. It's the greatest decision I ever made in that school hall way back to my God. Move upon your people. If it's you in the sound of my voice, even on, on live stream, pray this prayer. Church, you know that you pray out loud to encourage those who wanna to pray to pray. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God that you came and you died on that cross and you paid for my sins and you've made a way that I can come to you. I give my life to you today. I receive you as Lord. I receive you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For those that did it, it was a now moment for you. Oof. If that's you, I have business cards back there. Grab it, text me and say, I prayed that, Pastor. I prayed that. And if you prayed that, I want to just say welcome to the greatest family on earth. The greatest dad upon the earth. Man, he loves us. He kisses us all over. Can't wait to be with us. He ghouls over us. Spins around under a violent emotion of joy. That's the God whom we serve. That's the Father we celebrate on Father's Day today. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you because you got to, I want to pray for you and then we've got gifts for you men that stood. And if you want to be a father, you've got to have to come with a pregnancy test, pink or blue, okay? And we'll give you a gift. Now, if there's gifts left over and, there's, and you know dads haven't been here, you're welcome to take them. But let me just pray for you because I know you're going to have a week like you've never had before because you're not gonna be procrastinating. You're gonna be preaching to the guys in, in Walmart, in the, parking, in, the, in the parking area, wherever you can find it. It's like Tom, Tom Brummett, he's never met a stranger. Jerry Tilton, never met a stranger. That's what we've gotta be, never met a stranger, because we're always talking to them. Because we have good news, we do. We have got a lot of good news. But anyway, you've got coffee to drink, 10 people to say hello to before we leave the doors, okay? Father, thank you. I thank you for this family. I thank you. It's, it's just incredible what you're doing in and through lives. I thank you, Father, that the quickening power of the Holy Ghost is within each one of us to go out and be those people you want us to be. We want to be those eyes, those mouthpieces, that heart in every situation, knowing that we're displaying and demonstrating your excellence and your goodness and your kindness. So, Father, thank you that this, this family is anointed to do that. And we send them in Jesus' name. Amen. So before anybody moves, the dads can stand up again because we're going to usher a whole lot of gifts to you. Stand up, dads.
You snooze, you lose, eh? Don't procrastinate. Now stand up. All right.